Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. let this be a normal podcast episode with the leaving eden podcast no, no way. way oh man welcome back to the leaving eden podcast uh if you know you know uh, you know what we're here to talk about this is a homework episode sadie what are what are we here to talk about well i expect this to be a fantastic homework episode oh man that's a great joke uh, yeah. <laughs> I love a good pun. <laughs> there were so so I started um, my homework by writing down all the puns, and then there were too many, so I stopped. Oh man, that's all that this was. If you haven't guessed it by now, Sadie's been watching Magic School Bus. If you didn't know already, we've been we've been we've been watching some Magic School Bus, and we're here to talk about it. Um, uh, but before we get into that, uh, the Leaving Eden podcast is a podcast about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult, also known as the IFB. We seek to educate and to inform our listeners about the dangers of this cult, other cults, uh, real and present threat that they pose to society, that, that kind of mindset, that kind of uh, high pressure tactics, real threat to society. Uh, we seek to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought and freedom of of religion so yeah if you like this show uh you can 
join our Patreon at patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. Uh, you can go to our Facebook group, which is going to be facebook.com slash group slash Eden Exodus. Uh, yeah. And, but Sadie, we should get into it. So you've been, you've been uh, watching Magic School Bus. Yes, I have. And specifically, I've been uh, watching the episode where they go back in time and visit the time of the dinosaurs. Yes. I've watched the episode where they go to space. Which was, I think, the first episode. And then uh, I watched the episode where they go through the digestive system. This This is really exciting to me because when I was a kid, I used to watch magic school bus all the time i believe it debuted uh in 1994 uh it ran originally from 1994 to 1997 but um in my household we didn't have cable because my parents were all healthy and and they're like no you shouldn't be watching that much tv so we're not going to get cable so if i wanted to watch cartoons it was whatever was on pbs naturally Magic School Bus. That was a show that I was going to be watching, and they just kept running it, even though they only had three seasons of it. They just kept running it for years and years and years and years. So I know how much you love it when there are convergences between our childhoods, like things that were the same, even though we had radically different childhoods. Yes, that's Uh, accurate. We didn't have cable either. Yeah. But mostly because you know, Satan runs cable TV. Well, Satan might as well have run cable TV in my in my household growing up. Yeah, so there's there's <laughs> another there's another um, thing that we actually have in common. We were sometimes allowed to watch things on PBS. I was a huge Mister Rogers fan growing up, of course. Even though he was a Presbyterian, eh, you know the the rules get bent for TV, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the Teletubbies were making children gay, and so was Barney. And then we were allowed to watch Arthur until somebody told my parents that who's Arthur's best friend, the little rabbit person, Buster Baxter. Yeah, either he's gay or his dad is gay. And I've heard it both ways. His but, dad's a pilot. He yeah, but Arthur is for... also making children gay, apparently. Oh, so a, so most of PBS had the agenda of making children gay. So it was a no-go for us. Oh, really? Okay. So did you get to watch Magic School Bus at all? Or was that banned? So it was not allowed. I am going to get to this. I'm going to get to this in a minute because I am like 99% sure I've seen one of these episodes before. And I can't remember when. And I don't know how I would have had access to it. Maybe I was at somebody, some other kid's house who was watching it. But Magic School Bus, I mentioned on the dinosaur episode, there were rumors that Miss Frizzle was gay. So, Which, I mean, to be fair. To be fair. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, but um, I remembered while I was watching the homework for this episode that there is probably a much bigger reason that we were not supposed to be watching magic school bus and that's because of the word magic my family wasn't strict about this but in the ifb at large anything with the word magic in it is associated with witchcraft i had a pastor not my dad who preached that the wizard of oz was evil because it taught children to study witchcraft which I presume would make it easier later in life for a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master to recruit them into their coven and and or cause them to commit suicide because their character got killed in a D&D game. The Wizard of Oz, man, that's a... That broke my heart because that was like my favorite thing growing up as a kid. And I had like, I had the little ruby slippers with like the like little tiny red glitter shoes. And I had... um. 
all this like Wizard of Oz merch and my pastor preached on it and I felt convicted about it. So I threw it all away. And you, but did you like talk to your dad about it? And was your dad like, you know, he's probably wrong. Like I talked to my parents about it and my parents, they wouldn't go against the pastor because you can't just say your pastor's wrong. That's a very, very big no, no. So my parents weren't willing to say like, oh, the pastor's wrong. My parents said, we don't have that conviction, but if you feel like God is convicting you about that, then you should throw it away. Yeah. So they they definitely tried to give me an out um, as much as they could without going against the pastor of our church at the time. Uh, but I was six years old, and, and you know you don't know what past, you don't know what conviction from God is when you're six years old. You just know you feel sad because of something your pastor said. So yeah. you throw away all your super awesome collectible Wizard of Oz merch. <laughs> which is sad because now I can't give it to Chuck, but it is no it ruby is. slippers for her. Oh, I'm going to get some for her. Oh, that'll be Don't cute. Don't get me wrong. I had them in like every size from when I was two years old until I got convicted about it when I was six years old. <laughs> but my, my parents, no matter what, always made sure that I had a pair of ruby slippers in my size. So the word magic, anything but the word magic. magic. Yeah. The word magic is associated with witchcraft. My family was not super strict about this um if it was if magic was used in like a campy or silly sense and clearly not meant to be associated with satan in any way my family didn't have a problem with it but the ifb at large does so that may be another reason that magic school bus was off of the table for us and it's not even like it's just like a, a, a cartoon show where these kids are they're on like a school bus and a school bus can transform into a time machine or a space rocket or like well, yeah uh, the magic is that it can like become these different things yeah because like how are they going to explain this from like a science perspective they're going to be they're just like it's magic it's a magic school right. bus it transforms into a space rocket they can go explore the planets um, right, but the the idea of magical transformation is double bad because that teaches people that they can change themselves into something other than what God meant them to be. Are you for real? Yes, oh, I'm one hundred percent for such real. A bummer. Oh and my this God. is like an argument that that um certain people use to be transphobic. Every person in the IFB sounds like such a tough hang. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like <laughs> Just absolutely like a tough hang. Just be like, uh, you can't watch that because it it teaches you. I'm like, just it. There, shut it up. really is a culture because stop being a wiener. Like that's well, like the yeah. the the praise that you get is like what you want is to be holier than everybody else in your church. Like you want to be the people who everybody else looks up to. So you look for something in every piece of media. You look for something that could potentially maybe be bad. So you're you're looking, you're like going through with a fine tooth comb, looking for anything that even suggests that somebody might have kissed before marriage. You're looking for any mention of magic, any mention of transformation that doesn't have to do with Jesus. Um, you're looking for anything that could potentially be construed as a drug reference. You're looking for all you're nitpicking, nitpicking, nitpicking every single piece of media, every word of every piece of media. To That's try so to find annoying. something wrong with it. Well, I mean, so uh, so half of it is we want to be holier than our neighbors and we want to be like the strictest family in the church so everybody looks up to us and we can get church positions and like uh, be powerful in the church. But the other half of it is you, they believe we've talked about the eye gate and the ear gate. So they believe that media that you consume is more powerful than just talking to somebody. 
or just walking past a sign on the street or something. So they believe that if they miss something in the media, especially media that they give to their children, uh, then that's a potential avenue for demon possession. That's So that's the other reason they're so picky about this. That's uh, just so annoying. Like, so unbelievably it annoying. It is a bit nuts. Um, you know, I don't really... I don't really struggle with the idea like there are people who still believe in demon possession because like if you're a Christian and you believe that like demon possession is technically possible and you know, it happens in the entire world. There are two or three cases of it in an entire year um, that, 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 you know, that, that it is a thing that happens, but it's not common. Eh, I don't have an issue with that. Like whatever. Like, I mean, you asked your priest about it, like your Catholic priest. He's like, I mean, it's like, it could happen, but yeah. it's like, yeah, I asked my, rare. I asked my, my former priest, Monsignor Pat, and he said, demon possession is real, that he has seen one or two cases and he has been a priest since he was 14. Like he went into the seminary when he was 14 years old. So he's like, I have seen demon possession. Like he's been a priest for like 40 years. And if, if it was just some like bullshit, he would be like, nah. Yeah, yeah, he would. T- he, I, I feel like he would have maybe not come straight out and said it's false, but he would have clued me in verbally because he has done on other issues where he disagrees with the church. He has found creative ways to phrase his words so that I understand what he means, but he's not saying anything against church doctrine. Makes sense. Um, yes, <laughs> great guy. So, what Father Pat said is that demon possession he's seen like two cases in 40 years of being a priest and a good chunk of that was in rome yes like like if you if a christian believes that it's real and it's very rare that's not a a stance that i have a problem with the the, what i have an issue with is the idea that there are demons everywhere and that everyone has at least a few and that anything can potentially be an avenue for demon possession yeah that's a bit much i don't know i it just like ugh. It's like you don't have an immune system. I mean, it's like technically germs yes. are everywhere, but you got an immune system, so you don't not, you don't have to worry about it most of the time. Right. But anyway, uh, so about this show, uh, maybe we should get into talking about the show itself. Uh, so the show it, it is based on a series of books of the same name by Joanna Cole. Uh, the show ran from 1994 to 1997. Uh, the, so I guess there's there's four seasons of it. But the premise of the show is that there is a class that uh, like a, a school class i think they're like second third fourth grade or something like that and there's eight kids and they have a teacher whose name is miss frizzle and they have a school bus and what they do is they uh go on field trips every episode and the field trip uh, instead of going to like the aquarium or the um the the, the science museum you know like we would go to or they're like no we're gonna our bus is magic so it can turn into a time machine and we can go back and see dinosaurs or a bus can turn into a spaceship so we can go to space and learn about the solar system or our bus can transform us into like being tiny so that we can see how the inside of the bus's engine works which was also an episode that they did at one point, which oh, was very fun. cool. Yeah, it was it was very cool. Um, I might go watch that one one more time. <laughs> you should highly recommend. It. You know, if you're, uh, you know, so it was it was children's programming. It ran on PBS like after school. So if you're like me, come home from school. Sometimes you would watch the Magic School Bus. It would be super fun. Um, if you weren't playing with your bionicles, you know, and there's eight kids and 
they they go on these sort of adventures. Are there really just eight kids? Yeah, there's just eight kids. So I didn't count. That's a great teacher-student ratio. Yeah, I know. I think that's probably the most unrealistic thing about this show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Prayers for all the teachers this year that are going to have to go back uh, to teaching in person with all the the COVID and stuff going around. reasons why I started out with an education degree and now I'm not taking an education degree. Much respect for people who go forward with that, but that is a that is a life that is not for me. Anyway, yeah, I I agree. I I I'm passionate about education, uh, but I thought that there are probably ways that I can influence the world better. Yeah. Well, you'd be a good teacher. Um, I, I would. Taught I mean, me a lot. I would. But but that's the thing. Now I'm teaching tons of people. Why don't we why don't we get into the actual show like the the episodes that what did you like uh do you want to talk about uh you know we just did dinosaurs Let's start with the dinosaur one. Give me a second to put Chuck in the the carrier thing and uh we'll be off to the races with that. Great. All right. Yeah, so the episode that we're going to talk about is called Bussosaurus. Uh and so the the premise of the episode is they go to a dinosaur fossil dig in their school bus which is a regular field trip but that is a regular field trip that if i were a kid and i were in school i would have died to go on that trip that would have been amazing yeah that Um, sounds extremely exciting yeah so they go there uh they meet miss frizzle's friend who is a paleontologist and there is they get a dinosaur egg arnold has like a dinosaur egg and then the paleontologist is like here kid have the hold this dinosaur egg for a minute and then the bus turns into a time machine they go back in time to meet some dinosaurs so magic school bus says that the ice age is real yes i don't know that makes it slightly more credible to me i mean to be fair that the ice age is real it happened are you sure yes not just a movie no that that is real okay yeah the ice age that was a real thing that happened it was like 40,000 years ago or something. Not like immediately after the flood when a bunch of things, when all the flood water froze. No, that like the Ice Age was real. <laughs> okay. But uh, I, I did notice that Magic School Bus says that Ice Age is real. Yeah. No, the, the Ice Age is real. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they show the bus going back in time and then like everything goes backward over millions and millions of years. And you see yeah, the asteroid. Yeah, I thought asteroid. that sequence was cool. Yeah. The asteroid. Yes, that was another thing that I wrote down was that the the asteroid like goes up in reverse. Uh, so this was one of my one of my favorite little like throwaway lines from from this part was yeah. Goodness gracious, we've reached the late Cretaceous. I thought it was cute. It is very cute. And then like and then it, the so the goodness gracious we've reached the late Cretaceous part was immediately followed by expect. Yes. Which was fun. There were a lot of egg puns in the in the Buzzasaurus episode for sure. So anything in particular that you really like? Because they go, so they go back in time and they got to identify. Okay, which dinosaur is a plant eater? Which one's a meat eater? Um, yeah, and Arnold loses the dinosaur egg as he always does. I feel like Arnold is a bit of a klutz. That's kind of the yeah poor little guy. Yeah. So he he loses the egg and it gets stolen by the type of dinosaur that the egg belonged to, or was it yes. just by like a random dinosaur? I don't know. I think he's he's got the egg and then he's trying to go find. Uh, or I think he loses it. it. No, it gets stolen by a dinosaur that wants to eat it. Okay, and then it like the the egg leads Arnold and one of the other kids on a series of hilarious misadventures. I think it was Wanda. I didn't catch the kids' names super well. 
Yeah, so that's Arnold, and then that's one. You'll you'll get it. You you watch oh, other yeah. ones. You'll you'll well, get I'm, it. But so they they like they're like chasing this egg, and they run it, it, they run into a big mean meat eating dinosaur that wants to eat them, which is I think it's a T Rex, right? Yeah. And mean meanwhile, the Miss Frizzle and the rest of the kids from the bus are looking for them. Yeah, with the lizard Liz. Is the lizard named Liz? The lizard is named Liz. Because I wrote down in my notes, cute tiny lizard friend with a bunch of exclamation points. The lizard is always there. The lizard's name is Liz. I love the lizard. Yeah. It's so cute. Top tier. Yes, I was a big fan. I was a big fan of Liz. But they're they're all searching for Arnold and Wanda who are missing. And they end up in the nest of a plant-eating dinosaur who who like pukes berries all over them. That was gross and fun. Uh, and then they 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 find each other again because the the T Rex scares all the stegosauruses. Yeah, I think they right? were they were hanging out with some steggies. Yeah, and the T Rex scares them away with his big thundery feet coming after Arnold and Wanda. And they all get back to the bus, and then um, the school bus has to turn Arnold into being as tall as the T Rex so he can scare it away. I loved that he got to be the hero. Um, I loved Miss Frizzle's line from that scene, which is where she just she's just she just goes, hmm, I wonder if this insurance policy covers dino damage. <laughs> I yeah. that that one that was so perfect. I love that. Um and then I love that I love that Arnold got to be the hero and scare away the T-Rex and keep it from eating the bus. But I also loved that he did it in a non-violent way. Like he just like did some karate moves and kicks in the T-Rex's general direction. And then the T-Rex was like, no, this is a bigger predator than me. I don't want to bother actually fighting. So the T-Rex left and left them alone. And they took the egg back to the regular time so that Ms. Frizzle could have some more tension with the paleontologist friend. Yeah. So uh we can, do you want to talk about that now or do you want to talk about that later? I would say now, unless you have like a, a particular way you want to get into it later. No, uh, we could we could talk about that now because uh, last episode um, or when we were talking about when we were going to do the the magic school bus, you said that Miss Frizzle was a was the IFB said Miss Frizzle was gay or something. Yeah, but and, I didn't take that too seriously because as I illustrated in the intro to this episode, the IFB kind of said everybody was gay. However, that being said, like you watch this episode and Miss Frizzle is like hanging out with like goes to like talk to this paleontologist, um, this this female paleontologist, and like there's like there's some heat there. Like there's, she's like, oh, a, this is my old friend from. Like, that was the, the yeah. This is my old friend. Yeah. That was that was kind of a clue. I thought. Yeah, I thought like you watch this and you're just like that is. I, I yeah, don't know. What, what's it, your take? It seemed obvious to me. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is gonna come off badly or not. And I'm sorry if it does, but it seemed obvious to me that the writers were attempting to give us a hint at Ms. Frizzle's preference for dating women, which is fine in the normal world, as as Seinfeld would say. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I feel like this kind of this almost confirms the whole IFB thing of like PBS is trying to make everybody gay. <laughs> But like in, to, to us in the normal world, LGBT people exist around us in the world and live lives like everybody else and love people like everybody else. And it's not a big deal. But in the IFB world, it is a big deal. Yeah. So, so it, it's kind of a it's kind of a paradox because PBS isn't trying to make everybody gay. They're trying to portray the people in the world around us. 
but when the IFB looks at that, they they feel like they've gotten proof. It's like, oh, look, see, PBS is trying to make everybody gay. I was right. I was thinking that this is also from the 90s. So you can't just come out and be like, this character is gay. Like, th- Right. Like now yeah. they have a, a pride parade on Blue's Clues. Yeah. So here's a question. So your gaydar, Miss Frizzle, sets it off. Listen, I have no gaydar. You have no gaydar. My gaydar okay. is very, very, very bad. But in this case, the answer is yes. But I, I think that... I think that it was intentional. I think that the the writers and the animators were trying to we're, we're trying to show without telling in that situation. How does so? How does this uh, show at least this episode? Because you were taught some stuff about the about the dinosaurs that it was um, that they were around with Adam and Eve same time as people. So how does yeah? How would this episode in particular, if you'd have seen this episode when you were still in the IFB when you were a kid, what would your take have? been or like how how would that have been seen so this is the really nutty thing about about this whole uh shenanigans with the busasaurus episode yeah i feel like i've seen this before really like the joke i was anticipating the jokes the thing where the kids make the stegosaurus mask to scare off the t-rex so it won't eat or to scare off is it the t-rex no, yeah, it's something else. Yeah. to scare off a dinosaur oh it's those little like predator guys those little like purple ones but where the thing where the kids make a circle out of stegosaurus masks to scare off predator dinosaurs, all of that felt so familiar. Even some of the jokes I felt like I had seen before. And I know my school had the book version of the Digestive System book or the Digestive System episode. So I don't know where I would have seen this, but I'm convinced that I did. Maybe at like a friend's house or something? or I may I might have seen it... I mean, I could have seen it in like a hospital waiting room where they had a TV. I could have maybe seen it at my, at my grandparents' house. Um, there, there are places that I would have had access to PBS that were not my own house. So I'm, I'm kind of assuming that I saw it at one of those type of places. But apparently, it didn't have that much effect on me, other than regard, other than realizing that I had seen it. And I think the thing is that children are inoculated against teachings outside of the IFB from such a young age. Really? They are yeah, well if you think about if you think about it, I think every parent does this. I'm already working to teach consent with my kid. Before I kiss her, I'll say can I kiss you? And she doesn't know the difference and she can't say yes or no, but I'm I'm getting her used to before somebody touches you, they should be asking if they can touch you. And when I give her to her dad for him to give her a hug or for him to give her a kiss, I say, oh, would you like to go to daddy and get a hug? When I, when I, like, when I pick her up and hug her, I say, can I hug you? And I know that she's, she's far, far, far too young to be able to express a yes or no in response to my questions. But I'm getting her used to the idea that who she touches and in what way is her choice, that I'm never going to say, go give so-and-so a kiss. It's going to be, would you like to give your aunt a kiss. Sure. And, and I'm, I'm inoculating her to that before she's even old enough to talk. And I think all parents do that with things that are important to them. Unfortunately, what's important in the IFB is to inoculate and to train children into seeing the world the IFB way. So by the time I was old enough to even be cognizant and sit in front of a TV screen to watch wherever I saw this dinosaur episode of Magic School Bus, I was already trained to reject 
the millions and billions of years ago thing. I was trained to reject the Ice Age thing. And I had these pre-programmed thoughts in my head of that's not real. The people who made this cartoon made a fun cartoon, but they're wrong about this. They're wrong about that. We know better. We know different. God made the earth in seven days and the earth is only 6,000 years old. Hmm. And that is, I think it's, I think maybe that there's a tie-in that you're not seeing with the whole blanket training thing that we've talked about in the Duggar adjacent episodes, because children are, children in the IFB are, are made to be these little adults. And I think Evan referenced this on his episode as well. Um, children are trained to be tiny adults from a very young age. I've talked before about going out soul winning with a kid my age by myself when I was like six or seven and subsequently getting lost and having to be returned to the school by an unsafe Methodist. But <laughs> it's, it's like a different world. You're, you're very much trained to be a tiny adult from a very young age. So even being younger than the kids that are portrayed in the magic school bus cartoon, I would still have been watching this thinking these pre-programmed thoughts that had been drilled into my head. And if my, you know, if I, if I was watching it with my younger brothers and they asked me, well, is this real or is that real? Or is the earth really millions of years old? I would have been able to spout back all of these facts, quote unquote facts that I was taught to make sure that they didn't go around believing in this stuff. Wow. And then if they watched it with younger kids, they would do the same thing. Interesting. So it's, it's passed down learning. It's it's literally programming your brain like a computer to have a specific response when you're faced with a specific stimuli. Or like you were saying, it's like inoculation. Yeah, it, it's exactly. It's it's like like a a vaccine gives your body the information that it needs to fight off a disease. The same information that it would have if you had previously caught that disease and fought it off. It's like it's like a mental vaccine, but against science, which is really unfortunate because I still have a lot of those responses when I see millions of years ago. It's like my brain short circuits. It's like I hear that noise in my head. Like I hear a almost a physical noise in my head like eh, because nope, like nope, that's not it. Nope, millions of years doesn't exist. And even when I try to think about it and try to think, well, do I believe that or do I believe that the earth is millions of years old? My brain, it's its almost a physical sensation. It's almost an audible noise of my brain just short-circuiting and saying, nope, we don't believe that. Wow. Yeah, it, it's a lot. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. That's, so, that's, that's wild. That's so really even if I had seen this as a kid, I would have had that programmed thought to say no we don't believe in that wow okay yeah this uh, so this episode um i'm gonna be honest the dinosaur episode of magic school bus is not one of my favorite magic school bus episodes um i really liked it i thought it was all right i think there were some other ones that i thought were better my there was a couple that i really liked one of them was the echo location episode where they learn about bats that was really cool but the two, there were two that I really liked, and these are the, the other two that you watched uh, that we, I guess we brought up 
um, when we were talking about which ones we wanted to do, you mentioned a couple that you thought that you had seen where it was the solar system and it was the digestive system. And those happened to be the first two episodes of season one, I guess, the first two episodes that they made. Mm -hmm. um, and those I also remembered being really good. So going so, back to this, having watched the space one, I don't think I've ever seen or seen it or read the book before. The okay. digestive system, I am 100% sure that I've read the book. Interesting. Okay. But do you so, want to? Do you want to? Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's do space first. Okay. So the the promise the premise of this one is that they're like Arnold brings his cousin Janet into uh into class, and I don't like her very much. Yeah, she's kind of annoying. Uh, but Arnold brings his cousin Janet into class, and he's like, "Well, my school, we go on great field trips." Uh. And Janet's like, yeah, my school is better. I get all A's. I'm the best. She's like very much like into one-upmanship. And then Arnold's like, okay, fine. Let's go on a field trip. And then they go on a field trip and they literally go to space. <laughs> well, they first, they, they try to go to the planetarium, but the planetarium is closed, which I think was part of Miss Frizzle's plan all along. Oh, of course it was part of Miss Miss Frizzle has like the master plan. She's out here. She's like Dumbledore in this shit. Like I like she's a, a bit um um omniscient, isn't she? Yeah, she literally gets lost in space and drifts for millions of miles, and she's just like radioing to the like she knows that everything is gonna be totally fine. There, okay, that's, that's not, something like, I wanted to talk about. Like, she very much has this vibe of she knows what's going to happen before it happens, and she plans it on purpose, like the thing with the Stegosaurus masks. Yeah. Like, how did she know to craft those ahead of time if she didn't know exactly how the whole thing was going to play out? You know, that's very smart. I also think, though, that uh, that it sort of plays on the idea that that kids feel like their teachers low-key know everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're in elementary school. Yeah. Like, is it trying to portray portray her as some kind of – what's that? What's the word? Is it – press? Pre nope, I don't – I can't remember how to say the word. Is it trying to – portray her as a person who can see the future or is it trying to portray the perception that children have of their teachers as having eyes in the back of their head and and knowing what's going to happen before it happens i feel like a little bit of both yeah it, it, it's cute either way though because it's i don't know i think uh, a, a one thing about this the whole magic school bus deal is that it's kind of a, a round of applause for teachers in general yeah and I, I get much more having, having interacted with the series as an adult. I get much more why teachers are inspired by her as a character. Yeah, and that, and that was that was a fun perspective to gain watching this as an adult. But uh, anyway, they they go to they go to space. They go to visit all they the just planets. Casually blast off from the middle of like a residential street, which is fun. Arnold's annoying cousin Janet is collecting everything. Yeah, because she wants to prove to everybody that she's really been to space. And as much as I hate her personality, that's not not something that I would have done as a child. I mean, if I went to Mercury, I would bring back some stuff from Mercury, too, to be totally honest. Or Venus or Mars or, you yeah, know. Yeah, like I, like I, and also I was a bit of like a rock collector as a kid anyway. So that would have, like, I, I collected stuff. I, like, pressed flowers and books and kept cool leaves that I found on the sidewalk. So that wouldn't have been, like, completely out of my realm as a kid. Well, they they have a, a problem with the map. 
that is taking them between all the planets in the magic school bus. Oh yeah, they have to fill out the the uh, the back end of the map because it only goes up to well, Mars. The, it doesn't go. Well, past no, the, the map goes yeah. out. There's like a there's like a electrical problem with the bus. Oh and the map yeah, and Miss Frizzle has to get outside the bus to do a spacewalk to fix the map, and she takes Janet with her. But Janet sees an asteroid coming, and she's like, "I've got to take that back to prove that I've been to space." So she lassoes the asteroid with a magically appearing piece of rope, apparently. Yeah. Um, she she lassoes the asteroid and tries to pull it back into the bus, but she actually smashes it into the bus. I wonder if an if a lasso would work in space, like in the vacuum of space. I kind of think not. I don't know. I, I mean, feel you like could throw it, might... it. No, because there wouldn't be gravity, though. Like, or you know, you could just it could go, just go around forever. You wouldn't. You would only need to. You you wouldn't need to keep it going by the the outward motion. It would oh, like float true. there. You could. It, but you couldn't. But you couldn't throw it and drop it down over something. We should get a cowboy and a physicist on here to debate this. I think this teaching Sadie stuff thing has gone a bit far. Okay. <laughs> With getting a need... cowboy and a physicist on here. We a lasso physics. Would a lasso work in space? I don't know. Let's find out. So Janet, so she lassos an asteroid. That's how we got on this rabbit trail. We were trying to talk about if you could lasso things in space. Yeah. So Janet, she lassos this asteroid. Um, and I yes. guess it, it hits the bus. It hits the bus and Miss Frizzle goes flying off into space with only half of the map fixed. And she's just like out in space. She's just fucking chilling. She's like, I'm I'm floating in space. Everything is cool. And that's oh, the thing. Yeah. Like she's, she's suspiciously chill with the fact that she's just floating out in space. Yeah, she is literally millions of miles from the Earth. And she's separated from a class of eight-year-olds. Right? right, who were in charge of her transportation back to Earth. Which is a bus. Like, not a, none of them even have a fucking driver's license. How are any of them going to know how to drive a spaceship? Right. That, like, so there's like a lot going on here, but she seems very chill. And um, the kids are freaking out because they've lost contact with their teacher. But it turns out that she's got a walkie talkie. So that's good news. Yeah. And she doesn't tell them where she's going. She's just like giving them hints and shit. she's like, you, you have to explore the planets. Um, find me. Find me. I'm and out here somewhere. And she's like, I hope those kids find me. Otherwise, we're all going to die in space. Yeah. Because like they're not getting back without her. Let's be real. Like, yeah. So, so they have to because the the quote that I wrote down for that is the kids go, "That's the half of the map we don't have." And Miss Rizzle goes, "Oh, good. You can fill it in as we go along." <laughs> so it's definitely like she's been planning to do this. So she she gets that she like leads the kids out through the outer planets. Uh, annoying cousin Janet just wants to stop at every planet to collect things. And further endanger the lives of these children. No human being has ever like collected like the 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 gas from Jupiter. So you know, I mean that like the gas from the Jupiter eye storm thing. Yeah, so that's as far like, as I know, no eight year olds have died in space, and I'd I'd really prefer to keep it that way. Well, the Soviets R. sent monkeys into space and like dogs and stuff. But they're not eight year olds. No, but they're like. I mean, living, breathing animals, and the Soviets did that because they're just like, we'll see what happens. That was a bummer. I know a lot about space because my grandfather worked in the space program. 
Yeah, your family is like in every single science, right? Uh, I don't know. Like if there's a if there's a if there's a branch like you got medicine, you got geology, you got space. So here's a wild thing is that on Father's Day this year, I was over at my parents' house and my mom busted out a box of all of these old things that belonged to that that were her mother's or and you know some of them were her uh, father's too. So my grandfather died in 1964 like when my mom was 8 years old. So one of the things that she like that, that she opens up this box and she pulls out a a, a telegram that is a, a letter of condolence sent to my grandmother. You know who it was sent from? I know, but I know you want to tell the listeners. It was Werner von Braun. Werner von Braun, like Nazi scientist who then got grabbed by the after the war was over, grabbed by America and brought over here to work on the space program he like knew my grandfather which is weird which is very it's very weird to me because like i can think about you know if you ever play six degrees of separation yeah so i can play so i knew my grandmother my grandmother met Werner von braun Werner von braun knew hitler that's like three degrees of separation between me and hitler which is fucking weird. Okay, that's uncomfortable for me because that puts me at four degrees of separation. Like, yeah, it's fuck, it's weird. Shit. It's it's very weird. So okay, so there's that. Um, my grandfather <laughs> was a was part of General Patton's personal secretary pool. Oh, that's cool. Which is not as cool as yours, but that's still pretty. cool. I don't know, General General Patton, pretty cool. That's like, you know, the <laughs> other thing. Oh, the other thing that my grandfather did, he worked on the Manhattan Project. That is very cool. Yeah. That's it. That's very, very cool. That's what I'm saying, though. You have you have so many scientific relatives. I told you all my family's Ravenclaws. Fair enough. I yeah. believe you. Yeah. Anyway, they get all the way out to non-planet Pluto. Or is Pluto a planet again? I don't know. They keep changing it. I know. It makes me mad. At the time that this came out, planet was a Pluto. Yes. I was just, I was really mad when they demoted Pluto. I don't know why it guy took it so personally, but it really did. I think we all felt like we got demoted, like we personally got demoted that day. Because yes. Pluto, Pluto's the smallest planet. Let's be real. Pluto's the smallest planet, and it's got a moon that's almost as big as itself. Right? Right. Uh, yeah. And so we're just, you know, if you're like, like Pluto, yeah, that's like, that's my guy. I ride or die for Pluto. Like, yeah. It's it's like the underdog planet. Yeah, and I was I was mad about that. If you ask somebody what their favorite planet is, they say Jupiter, you're like, "Fuck you. You like what are you a Yankees fan too?" Like <laughs> <laughs> Go Lakers. You, know, you like know. the Lakers, the Yankees, and the Patriots? Are those your sports teams if Jupiter is your favorite planet? Right. <laughs> You, I bet you're a Bama fan too. Hey, no offense to Bama fans, you you get a pass. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Goodness gracious, we almost didn't have a podcast, much less, <laughs> much less. <laughs> so they get out to Pluto and they find Miss Frizzle, which is a happy reunion. She's just and chilling. She's like, yeah, I'm she's out just here. like, yeah, I was waiting for you guys to get here. Whatever. Yeah. So. Janet wants to take all of these souvenirs that she has picked up all over the galaxy to, no, all over the solar system. The galaxy's bigger. Yeah. To take home with her to Earth to prove that she's been to all these places. But there's no room for the kids on the bus with all that stuff on the bus. 
why couldn't they just make the like it's a magic school bus can't it just transform into a bigger spaceship i mean you would think that's my question i feel like there's some gaping plot holes in here also i i have a huge problem with the gaping plot hole that was you know how the when the bus went back in time in the dinosaur episode the the dinosaur egg aged backwards but none of the kids on the bus aged backwards I feel like that's a plot hole right there, man. The creators of this show really effed up. Hmm. Well, How are they going to fix that? I don't know. <laughs> so Janet wants to take all this crap home with her. There's no room for it on the bus. So it ends up getting left on Pluto after Arnold freezes his head to show her what would happen. I want to talk about this. Janet's like, just like, I'm not going back without all this stuff I collected. And then Arnold, it, Arnold straight up is like they're, they're all out there like with space helmets on and spacesuits on Arnold just straight up like takes his space helmet off and f-ing dies. Right. Yeah. Like, so when you saw that, were oh my you God, sh- they killed Arnold. Were you, yeah. When you saw that, were you shocked? Um, no, I kind of saw it coming, but really, I wasn't real happy with having to see it. Yeah, so literally, like, so this, like, 10-year-old kid is, like, wearing a space, he takes off his space helmet, and his head basically turns into a giant block of ice, like, it, it, and then his eyes, you know, like, the cancel symbol, you know? Yes. What I'm saying, like, the, the, the do, like, a do not walk sign, almost, like, like with a circle with a line through it, that's his, that's what his eyes turn into, and they're like on the surface of like this ice cube that his head is become. And then they like drag him back to earth. And he's like, Oh, I just had a cold, I guess. Like what? Yeah. That when I saw that, I was like, what? Mm. Yeah, that was something. It was shocking. It was um, deeply shocking. But then they get back to earth and, and Arnold's just like, Oh yeah, I had a cold because I froze my head on Pluto to make a point to my annoying cousin who cold. wanted to bring a lot of space <laughs> dust home. Um, so that was that was interesting and kind of disturbing. Uh, but hey, now we all know what all the planets are, plus Pluto. Then, yeah, and then at the end, uh, an alien from Pluto calls to complain about the pile of, of Janet's crap that has been left on their planet and to say, when is the, when are you coming to clean this off of my planet? Right, because at the end of every episode, they're like... Uh, they have to like issue corrections for all the stuff that happened. Right. Because they actually want to be scientifically accurate. Yeah. Which was cute. I thought that was, I like, I liked that. I liked the whole, um, when is, when is this garbage going to be off of my planet? As you like slowly realize that it's an alien from Pluto. You like this planet or not? I mean, or this episode or not? Do I like this? Do I like this planet? Uh, You know what? I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Could be better. Could be worse. Hmm. But this yeah. episode, this episode was fine. I really liked the dinosaur one better, though, because there was more Liz, and Liz is my favorite. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Gavriel here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden Podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. So we're going to go on to talk about the third episode that we watched, which is the digestive system episode. I have not seen this episode, but I am 100% sure I've read the book. Oh, you didn't watch the episode? I mean, I, I watched it now, like for homework. Oh, oh okay. But so you before, hadn't seen it. I'm as like, a kid. Are you just coming on the podcast being like, yeah, I did do the homework. Uh, I didn't no. do the reading. Sorry, professor. <laughs> so in this episode, this was a fun one in that. So they go and they explore the digestive system. And Arnold, I guess, because uh, this is the episode right after he froze his head and like died. But okay. die. So. Uh, yeah so i guess he's like maybe like you know maybe i don't want to go on a field trip which you know arnold totally feel totally gets you but they're just like you know yeah you can stay behind (laughs) so he decides to stay at the school and he's munching on some cheetos the school bus all the kids on the school bus are like where are we going for our field trip and the bus shrinks and then arnold eats it with his cheetos and they so they go into the digestive system, which I mean they they, they portray it in that I guess a scientifically accurate way you'd think, but yeah, like I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, so Arnold chews up the the Cheetos and then swallows them, and then they end up in Arnold's going through Arnold's esophagus into his stomach, which is is fun. And then Miss Frizzle explains to them all of the things that are happening in the stomach, how it's all getting like dissolved. And then they go into the small intestine and then they go into the large intestine, which is full of poop. Yeah. yeah. It's so. And they're like, it smells really bad in here. Just like, no, shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was like, that was a bit rough. Really? So you didn't like that one. You didn't like that part. I didn't like hate it. It was just like, so number one, I was a little bit worried about the fact that when things go through your digestive system without getting broken down, that means they're fiber, right? I guess. Right? So yeah, yeah. So the magic school bus is made out of fiber. Sure. I mean, but like if you if you if you swallow a penny, then the penny's coming out the other side. Like, oh, that's not made out of fiber either. No. Okay. I mean, maybe there's I some need... things that can't be broken down. <laughs> maybe I need to 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 reevaluate this theory. Um, I like that it showed the scientific details accurately, like how peristalsis moved the bus down the esophagus instead of like it falling down because of gravity. Uh, the, the illustrations of the different 
type of muscle I thought was also good because it shows like the the ringed muscle in the esophagus and stuff. I thought that I thought that was that was cool. I liked that that was accurate. Um, I was not a big fan of them being in the large intestine. What where they go? So they go into the large intestine and it's like full of poop, and yeah, they're like. If we keep going this way, we'll end up in the toilet. And they're in Miss Frizzle's like, oh, hell nah. That's not happening. And so they, I guess they have to like get in the bus and they like have to go all the way up the other side and like end up yeah, back Yeah, so in they the have summer. to go back through, which is a nice review of the digestive system, I guess. I don't know how I feel about that whole thing. I, why? I, just, I, I, have, I have conflicted feelings. I don't know. It's just that um, I just I like this show, but I noticed that Arnold didn't really consent to have a bussin inside of him. Oh, they, no one ever consents to anything on the, like this is I mean, the, the, can you imagine the, the permission slip that you would have had to sign to get, let your kid go on this field trip? Like, yeah, so about, like the parents, because the kids are obviously totally safe. I'm just I'm concerned about. I don't know. It feels a little squicky to me for like a bus to be in your stomach and intestines without you knowing about it. I feel like you're overthinking this, but okay. I feel like maybe I am, <laughs> but I don't know. I just wasn't like, I wasn't the biggest fan of that part. Magic school bus. Are you saying that the magic school bus is canceled because of consent issues? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. I just, I was that like, was a bit of a cloud over the digestive system episode to me. But I remember what having the book about the digestive system in my school growing up. And I remember it kind of being treated like it was treated kind of like not dirty, but like edgy Hmm. because that's because it's got poop in it. No, because it's got a, a human body in it. Like the the human body being a suspect topic. Okay, but like, was it was it shown as anything other than like a cross section? You know, like a no, like it like the the illustrations from the book look a lot like exactly what you saw in the cartoon. Then what was suspect about it? It's a human body, and anything that show any kind of medical illustration is not necessarily evil but definitely something to look at with suspicion oh so this is like the whole steven anderson thing over again where he was like where they went to um i mean but this is like you know what i'm saying where he's like they showed uh, a woman and she was naked when they were explaining about reproductive health and i was just like this is pornographic like right like it's pornography because it shows a body part that everyone sitting in that room has yeah like it's it's pornographic to teach you about your own body and and i feel like a little bit of that may have rubbed off on this like digestive system book so that's what you were thinking when you were so did you like to read that book was that one that you were like or did you not want to be seen reading that book i didn't want to i wanted to know about the digestive system because i was interested but i didn't really want to be seen reading it interesting so i feel like maybe some of that general nervousness slash prudishness may have kind of rubbed off on the my perception of the episode. Interesting. Interesting. Cause there's, so there's a different episode where they go inside, uh, I think Ralphie and they look at the immune system. And so that also, oh, I, would I have had been, that book too. Yeah. With like the white blood cells and stuff. Yeah. With the red blood cells, the white blood cells. And yeah. So would that have been seen the sort of same way? Uh, yes. 
Okay, huh. That's wild. Yeah, it's – I don't really know how to explain it because I feel like this is a uniquely IFB child experience. I don't think this is something that people would have gone through if they joined the IFB as teenagers or as adults or if they were if they were raised IFB but went to public school. I think this is pretty uniquely those of us who were raised like all the way in but have huh. but have like real difficulty with like anything regarding human bodies is just a little bit weird and hard to deal with. But I want people, I hope listeners uh, will reach out and let me know if you have this same kind of general squicky factor. If you have. Yeah, please do. If you have any thoughts, let me know. Um, let me know if that's you too. That's, that's really weird. That's, I don't want to say that's really weird because, you know, that's, I don't want to, you know, that I guess, I guess. Uh, well, I don't know. This could just be me or this could just be my church or it could just be my school. Um, my school was real weird about book stuff. We hmm. had, like, we had every book in our library had Sharpie in it to, like, if there was a girl in the book that didn't have a dress on, somebody, a teacher would go through with a Sharpie and make it a dress. And like, so like if, the illustration, if she's wearing pants. Yes. Then. They would go through and draw a skirt on her. So that's, hmm. Yeah. Our school was, was pretty intense about reading material so it may have just been a factor of that so we've got uh an episode that we're gonna do coming up and it's gonna be about banned books and so i'm sure that this uh, that all of this will resurface in that but that that is wow that's odd to think about yeah but i definitely want people to to reach out and let me know if this makes any sense at all to you or if this was a personal experience because i recognize that while a lot of my experiences are very common and very relatable to anybody who's ever been involved with the IFB, I, I also recognize that a lot of my experiences are, oh, that was the church that I grew up in, or that was this one particular person that I knew that was weird about this one particular thing. So uh, y'all let me know. Hmm. So speaking of that, though, here's a question that I want to ask. So Miss Frizzle, she is... Uh, she is well known for her fashion choices. I'm sure that you noticed. Yes. That, um, you know, the dresses she would wear, she would always wear long sleeve dresses that had the, the I, I guess in the space episode, they would have planets on them in the dinosaur episode. They would have dinosaurs on them. You know, they, like it's, it's that sort of thing. Here's a question. Is Miss Frizzle's uh, wardrobe IFB appropriate? You know, she wears a lot of dresses and a lot of them are pretty covered up. So I would say yes. Well, yeah, they are all, you know, they, they all go like they're they're like long dresses. Like they go all the way down to, to, you know, your ankles. Yeah, a lot of them are knee length or ankle length dresses with sleeves. So a lot of her wardrobe is perfectly IFB approved. Um, she would have to put a skirt over her spacesuit to be IFB approved. You know. Really? So the IFB would think that, you know, lady astronauts are immodest because they're not wearing skirts. Yes. So they would primarily uh, recommend that women not become astronauts of firefighters, police, military, any other job that requires you to wear pants. Primarily, they believe that women just should not do those jobs. Uh, but if you have to do that job, you should wear a skirt over the pants. I think the Ducker girls wore skirts over firefighter uniforms at some point when they were volunteer fire department, I think. That seems like that would get in the way. I mean, I went. I've been skiing, sledding, snowboarding with a skirt over ski pants. And the, but the ski pants were okay. 
Uh, it, it is okay if it's absolutely necessary for safety and there's a skirt over it that covers as much of the pants material as possible. That's just... Because you, a woman wearing pants is an abomination to God, unless it's for her safety and she has a skirt over it, because apparently God can't see under the skirt mm, or something. But <laughs> <laughs> like God doesn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Like God doesn't notice because you have an ankle-length denim skirt over yeah, your ski just, pants. Like, I'm not the same guy. I'm wearing a mustache now. <laughs> yeah, but, and God's like, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, Miss Rizzle's outfits would have primarily been approved by the IFB, um, and I really, really loved her light up planet earrings. Oh yeah, those were pretty cool because they like pulse when she talked, and I thought that was really cute and adorable. I know, like Miss Frizzle, like she is a whole vibe. She is a whole aesthetic, right? Yeah, but I, w- yeah. I was into it. I, w- I was happy in general. I was happy with these episodes, and I kind of can't wait until Chuck is old enough to watch them with me. Are you gonna have? Oh yeah, man. There's so many good ones. There's the the one where they teach about microbes, and they they've Keisha's pickle. Keisha leaves her cucumber in a jar of brine, and then they learn about microbes because it com- becomes a pickle. There's one where they learn about the water system. There's one where they learn about, oh man, there's so many good ones. There's one where they uh, learn about bugs. They go to the rainforest. There's one where they, okay, there's one really odd one though. And I want to talk about this real quick. Can Um, we possibly cut out the part about the fish? Yes. That's gross. Thank you. That is gross, (laughs) y'all. Just leave that that in. (laughs) Yeah, so so you are excited um, to show this show to your daughter. Yeah, I had a fun time watching this show. Uh, my favorite parts were how the kids always get to be the hero and how it shows instead of tells how they learn things. I feel like that's great for education uh, and that's going to be really effective to help kids remember the things that they learned on the show. Yeah. And I thought this was cute and fun and we'll watch it with my kid. Yeah. Super exciting. Super exciting time in your life. For and all the puns and were excellent. They really were. Man, you know who has the best jokes, though, is Carlos. I have to watch some more to see who really has the best jokes. You'll know Carlos. He's the one with the jokes. And they're all like, Carlos. <laughs> well, it was uh, a joke. This, this was fun. I had a good time. All right. Uh, so do we have another homework episode? So um we're gonna do a reverse homework episode coming up soon and then after that i've got some more educational children's programming that i'm gonna have sadie watch uh but we haven't decided what the reverse homework is going to be unless sadie's decided what it's going to be do you know what it's going to be i know what it's going to be but i have not yet like found a correct link to it um so i may have to find a link and then like edit it in before or like put the link in the show notes or something um i would love for you to watch a kent hovind video Okay, Kent Hovind. I will find the correct one. I will put the link out uh, on Twitter and also in our podcast Facebook group, Eden Exodus. So anybody who wants to watch it can watch along with Gavi. I feel like if I've been learning what you were taught about evolution and creation, then you should learn what I was taught. And I don't think there's anything better for you to get the full picture than a Kent Hovind video. Okay, I'm excited for this. This is going to be good. Huh. I think it's going to be great. Um, I watched these as a kid. They're the reason that I still don't eat the ends off of bananas. <laughs> Seriously, uh, this guy told me that the ends of bananas are made out of spiders. And 
But like the banana plants don't fertilize themselves <laughs> properly. They have to get fertilized by the help of spiders who grow, who like run into the ends of the bananas and those little black bits on the end of the banana when you peel it is a spider. It's a dead spider. Um, this First- guy told me that when I was a kid and I believed it. And I have I have not eaten the end of a banana since I was like seven years old. That's not how bananas work. Bananas are. I I'm mean, bananas try are to infertile. Find that exact video. <laughs> no, bananas. They are infertile. The thing with bananas, I don't know if you know this. Every banana is a clone of the same plant. So you yeah, know when. You, either you told me that or Jonathan told me that, and now I can't remember which one. Yeah. So like you know when you go out into your garden, you got a tree. There's suckers coming out. Like so, they basically just prune those off and plant them somewhere. Like it's they're all clones of the same plant because basically the regular banana tree has seeds that like the pod is full of seeds not full of like banana fruit the banana fruit is like a, 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 a it's it's an infertile like version of the plant that doesn't produce seeds and instead of producing seeds it produces the fruit uh it, it produces a pod full of pulp instead of a pod full of seeds so in order to get more of the fruit then they have to just basically clone every single one and so every banana tree is like genetically identical, which means that every time that there's like a disease that messes with bananas, it like kills all the bananas because they're, they yeah. have no, there's no biodiversity. Hmm. There are genetic diversity. Well, we can talk more about bananas when we actually get to this episode, but yeah. that's, that's the general idea of what I'm going to assign you. I will put out the correct link as soon as I'm able to turn up the exact video that I think is ideal. Well, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm happy that we got to watch the Magic School Bus, and I'm happy that we got to look back on that. That was super fun. Um, yeah, this was a yeah. good time. Yeah, uh, so if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us on social media. It's Facebook, Instagram, uh, Leaving Eden Podcast, Twitter, at Leaving Eden Pod. Uh, Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music. You can follow me on Twitter at Hell Yeah Sadie. And you can follow me on TikTok if you really want to at Sadie Carpenter One. Yeah, and you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. And until next time, uh, what are we talking about? Next time, we are talking about. Oh, it's going to be our anniversary episode because the next one that comes out after this one. So that'll be fun. All right. Um, Talk to you guys later. Bye bye. But old rolling river of time healed me in too many days. No regrets, no confusion. There'll be no pollution. I'm so thankful I've decided. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.